SNS Roofing is your locally owned roof repair expert. For a free quote and for all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. Steve Kerr saying Durant more gifted than Jordan. Didn't say he's a bigger winner, better champion, but more gifted. Got some more analogies and comparisons. I mean, the one we've heard over and over here, Donovan Mitchell's the next Dwayne Wade. Draft night comparisons. They all come back to the forefront as Wade buys a minority share of the ownership of the Jazz. That's a high bar. Dwayne Wade was an outstanding player, no question about that. Hall of Fame player. Everyone will agree with that. Great, great player. By his third year, he was an established NBA star. Mitchell, uh, in his fourth year. But Dwayne played longer in college. So maybe that make a difference, if I remember correctly. Dwayne went three years. That's what I remember. I didn't look Mitchell it up, but I remember two. him going three, yes. Uh, so they're basically the same age. But I and think Mitchell's an established star at this he point. He is now. What I think is absolutely awesome It'll go down in jazz lore as one of the greatest decisions, not just to draft them or trade for them on draft day, but basically giving him the keys as just a young pup, knowing they obviously knew that there would be tremendous payoff. So we'll have a little growing pain here. And the growing pain was not that long. They were winning a playoff series his rookie year. But to be able to see that, and then go ahead and make the trade, and then actually do it. Uh, whoever made that decision, if it was a joint decision, uh, was just absolutely brilliant. And that is why, if you own a team, you let the guys that you hire do what they're supposed to do. And obviously the Millers owned the team at the time, and they allowed that to happen. It's just stunning. Whereas... Dwayne Wade played an extra year, uh, and by his third year, he was off and running. His first two were okay, if you look at the stats. But by his third year, he was certainly an established star. So you could see the parallels there. Wade was an all-star his second year in the league. I'm looking yeah. at it right now. But his third year, if I remember looking at his Took stats. Took another step, is, yeah. yeah. It went from 16 points a game to 24 to 27. Yeah, and then he was off and running. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, all right, this guy's a big-time player. So I can see that. How about our guy Stephen Smith saying that already, already, Donovan Mitchell is the best player in Jazz franchise history? Better than the statue. I just can't. I just can't say you're now the best player in history after four seasons. Like to be the best, you have to be the best over a longer period of time. Now expect he's going to be awesome over that period of time. But can you, can you, is there any athlete who you can say after four years has topped someone who's had a Hall of Fame career that went over 15? I mean, in the case of statues, went out to 18, 19, 20. But that whole thing we talk about in pro sports, if you do it for 10 years, you've had a great career, even if you're a journeyman and you bounce to seven teams, to last in the NBA or in Major League Baseball for 10 years is incredible. So if you're a Hall of Famer who's dominating over 15 or more years, how do we compare anyone who's only put four in the books? Well, it's been Which, done by before. the way, isn't Stephen A. Smith's job, and I get that. I mean, his job is to put the provocative take out there. 
and Mitchell's done enough to well, put a provocative truth. take. You can't see the, the provocative take, yes, but it just can't be a provocative take for the sake of that. Because I agree. There's zero credibility and, behind it, and it's not because you got a guy who's you were quoting his scoring average in the playoffs. It's off the charts. Uh, from a graphic, I think it was third. I mean, it, was, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it was. So what he's doing is spectacular. I just don't know that at the end of the day, you can compare someone who's done four years with someone who's done literally four times Okay, but they say, and we didn't see him play, but they say Sandy Koufax belongs as the greatest. Right, and he had six years at the top of the sport. Now he had 10 or 12 in it. But how do you compare that versus someone who dominated for a long period of time? Bob Gibson, right? Basically the same generation. Who dominated for a long stretch of time. But yet they do. I, I get it. So it's been done. I, to me, I put him right now as the most clutchiest. Got to hit a shot to send his team to the finals. I'll save you all a phone call right now. You're welcome. I think he's very capable of doing that and would not surprise me in the least. I don't know that he'll do that. I hope he gets the opportunity. Uh, but, you know, the team's got to be there. Plus, you things got to break your way and the competition has to be beatable and all sorts of stuff that has to happen. Uh, but I, I still yeah. name me one player, one possession in franchise history, certainly in, since the time I've been here, which is 93. Uh, who do I want taking that shot? If you want to go Stockton, I'm fine with it. But I'd go Mitchell. Give us more comparisons, people. Donovan Mitchell is Dwayne Wade. Steve Kerr with the Kevin Durant is more gifted. He didn't say better, but more gifted. So I don't think he is? Than Michael Jordan. Because I believe the intangible is a gift. It has to be because it's not prevalent in all players across any sport. It just isn't. I think sometimes you can identify it. I can recall early on, early on, I'm working for the Watchdog, covering BYU, early on in his tenure, I said, that guy's going to be the best to ever play that position at BYU. And you, we all know who it is, and I think I'm right. Arujo. Don't be a Weisenheimer. Sorry. That's my job. But it's fun. Dope. No. I said it early on. Alema can back me up because I've heard him talk about it. Come on. Who? No, guess. It's part of the fun. <laughs> Danny Ainge. It's not, it's not, even ba- it's not basketball. Oh. I didn't see Ainge early <laughs> I on. know. I was just... Actually, you never saw him. He's having fun. I saw him play in the... I know you didn't live here then. This is the time that I said, I identified this player, said he'll be the best ever to play this position at this institution. Luke Staley. No. Oh, really? But I got no problem with that. Robbie Bosco called that the day they signed him. Holding a piece of paper in the lobby to the office there. This guy... This guy, they were all sorts of fired up about Luke Staley. He's tremendous. 
He might be, might be the best football player that I've ever seen play in his state. That's what you're saying. The best guy at this position of the school. I would. But I didn't say it. Okay. I didn't say it. So I'd love to say I said it, but I didn't say it. If you want to say he's the best Uh, running back they've ever had, I'm all for it a thousand times over. He was an absolute animal. He had every skill needed. The guy was incredible. Absolutely loved his game. I can, I can, and Utah's put a slew of running backs in the NFL, and I can say he was better did than you, every one of them. Did you pick the best BYU tight end? No. Because that's a debate. I don't know that that's Smooth it outside cut. a little bit more. Wide receiver. Yeah. Austin Collin. Yep. There it is. Yeah. yeah. When I looked at him, I mean, it was right from camp, his freshman year. You know, it's funny, though, when you talk about big Austin Collie plays, I always go to a special teams play. That's just where my brain defaults to. Not debating wide receiver, because obviously he made a bunch of great plays. But he, uh, he gets the Ute fans all sorts of riled up. And they're waiting for him at Rice Eccles. And I don't know if it was the opening kickoff or if Utah had scored and then they kicked him. I don't think it was him. the opening kickoff. Yeah, maybe Utah had scored and then they kicked to yeah, him. Yeah, I think you go on his uh, uh, yeah. Instagram page and he's got it. Oh, yeah. And he has so this, he's showing it for his and kids. he has this big sucks. And he has this and big then return. He, he, and the whole stadium is on the crowd. It's in yeah. the north end zone. And a lot of bad things happen in the north end zone. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently the day of the TCU game was an all-timer. <laughs> and so he's egging him on, and he, and he comes up with a huge return. He comes up with a big return. Yeah. yeah. And just the whole focus was on him. Just all the intensity. And if you watch it, he's over to his right communicating with O'Neal Chambers, and I think he's telling O'Neal, okay, I'm going to take it this way, so you need to do this and that. And uh, as far as blocking, and if I remember, O'Neal Chambers was blocking his butt off running down the field. Yeah, Austin Colley was just a special, special player. And you know what's crazy? I'd heard, I I know people who are family of his uh, that, uh, and I think it was in the spring, they had a dog that they had for a long time named Bentley who died, and it was very emotional. And uh, just over a year and a half ago, we had a dog that died. It was named Bentley. And it was very emotional. Yes, it was. So we're like practically cousins. And how about his brother sitting up there in Boise after the potato bowl saying, this guy's going to go down as one of the best, if not the best quarterback good of call. all time. Yes. That's a good call. And he ends up being yeah. the freaking second pick, pick in, in the, the draft. draft. <laughs> Winner! Dylan Colley delivering it in Colley fashion. You doubt me? Well, you're a bleeping idiot. <laughs> and I'm telling you, this is what it's going to be. And sure, he was great that game. We're speaking of Zach Wilson, obviously. I think he went 18 of 18. But to say it, and then two years later, he's the second pick in the draft. Dylan Colley putting it out there, and he was right. More comparisons, more analogies. I got a good one. Kyle Corver and Ashton Kutcher. (laughs) (laughs) You like Mahomes as the new Brady? Because I don't. They play the position totally differently. There's Kerr right behind you there talking about it right now. Um Oh, it's the next Brady. 
you know, I, I, granted the position is different, but you look at the parameters, you know, phenomenal tight end, Hall of Fame coach. We'll see how it goes, how much the personnel for the Chiefs turns over versus what we've seen turning over for the Patriots. Now, that book's already been written, and we saw a slew of guys come through there. So many guys you'd you'd need to look it up who've actually caught touchdown passes from him wearing a Patriots uniform. I mean, there's been so many guys that they've plugged in and have been, if not great, certainly extremely effective. So, uh, Mahomes, football is the ultimate team game. So I sort of laugh on, well, you got three rings, you got four mm-hmm. rings, you only got one ring, right. blah, blah, blah. And you have no having, rings. Quarterbacks having great careers have one or two rings, but yeah. if their defense isn't up to up to par, if it isn't up to championship level, what are they supposed to do? And some Yahoo misses a kick. Right. Uh, so, Or somebody makes a kick, for that matter. Uh, what's his face? The guy just retired makes the kick in the snow. Against the Raiders, yeah. I mean, that was great kick in that situation. You know, when you look like, wow, that must be tough, and he does it. And so, kicking a rock, yeah. And Tom gets a ton of credit, and you know, I'm not taking anything away from him, obviously. But football, I have a hard, a much harder time. And all these sports that we talk about are are definitely team games too. But football, to me, seems like it's the ultimate team game. Uh, to where, you know, I need everybody doing what they're supposed to do. On and and you're not even on the field half the time. You know, if the plays are divided mm-hmm. evenly, just basically speaking, so it's hard to see that. Uh, but at the same time, you can't discount greatness, and we that's what we do. We compare greatness to greatness, and that's part of the fun of being a sports fan. I think that uh, so much of the team element of this, uh, of all the things that happened in Brady's career. You know, Belichick was a good age so that he could be there through, well, not through the whole career because he went to Tampa Bay, but you get the point. They could have this long run together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, basically 20 years. Well, if you get to Kansas City and Andy Reid is already 60-whatever, he's not going to be coaching when he's 80. So there's always going to be stuff you can't control. It's going to change it. You're uh, not going to have sure, a run with a coach like that. but maybe you can set it up like they did in San Francisco. And there's uh, a handoff. Walsh, Walsh didn't coach all that time, but yet they didn't miss a beat as, as far as that go when Seifert took over and they were still going pretty good there and then won, won, won it all with, with the new coach, but it was essentially the same, the same system, a lot of the same players and whatnot. And yeah, timing matters. I, my belief, and maybe this is a homer call, I believe, and Joe Montana was absolutely awesome, but I believe Steve Young could have won just as much if the roles were reversed. Well, back to team comparisons, I guarantee he would have won two of those four Super Bowls Montana won. And you could say, well, Young only won one. Guaranteed. No doubt. Look at how dominant those Niner teams were. Now, a couple of those teams squeaked it out. Could another quarterback have stepped in there? But whether it was Young or it was Elway or it was Marino who never got one, a couple of those Niner teams were off the charts good. And if you'd had any elite Hall of Fame quarterback, they would have won the title. So there's non-elite Hall of Fame quarterbacks? I was repeating myself and being okay. redundant. <laughs> Okay. I, I don't think you have not, to be a Hall of Famer, I guess. I, 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 I get your point. An I elite quarterback 
would have because I mean, we've seen a bunch of Super Bowls won by teams who you know their quarterback. I mean, he's a nice player, but nobody talks about him as a Hall of Famer. Sure, and Doesn't conversely, I think Joe beats season. the Chargers. Yes, yeah, the margin. Yeah, well, the trick there would have been beating the Cowboys, Cowboys. in the NFC. And I think Joe game. beats the Cowboys. Yeah. So it's yeah. reverse. Right. I, I think they were on par. They were different style yeah. of players, but I think they were certainly absolutely great in their own right. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. When we come back, Craig Bolajak putting a wrap on the season, looking ahead to the NBA playoffs, draft, and free agency. What's going to happen with Mike Conley? We'll talk about all of that with Craig Bolajak next. Joe Ingles is coming up at 9 o'clock. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Ben Anderson of KSL Sports. I'm sure the front office has to ask themselves if we're healthy, are we better than the Clippers and should we try to run it back or is it time to be a little bit more aggressive in how we build this roster? You have to rely on the successes you did have, which is you just had arguably the best regular season the team has ever had and you outperformed everybody else during the regular season and I get it was a weird year, but you were still legitimately very good on both sides of the ball, top five and offense, top five on defense. So I think there's a lot of value there and you have to understand what those strengths were and why they worked and I think abandoning that would be silly. At the same point, you can't look at what happened in the postseason and say, yeah, but everything's fine, so let's just run it back. I do think there have to be minor tweaks, but I don't think it's a major overhaul the way I think some jazz fans wanted with the taste that was left in their mouth with that early exit. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision summer LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision to Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. PK, we got a tweet about the jazz that's out that's got... uh, as people see it and as it's spread, and it's going to, um, it's going to get everybody's attention here. And we got Bowler coming up, so we'll hit it with Bowler here. All right, DJ and PK brought to you in part by Smart Rain, the Smart Rain guest line. Craig Bowlerjack joins us on the Smart Rain guest line right now. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Craig Bowlerjack, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, guys. Bowler, we got a tweet we got to talk about and about the future of the Jazz. Um, do you want one moment for the past of the Jazz, or is it too painful and you just like to let it go and you don't want to talk about 81 <laughs> points in the second half of Game 6? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we can do whatever you like. I've relived that multiple times, uh, you know, sitting there at the watch party thinking, hey, 25-point lead, but in the back of my mind going, still not safe. I mean, that's the crazy thing about the league, about the NBA, is um, – I think even in these playoffs, guys, we, we've seen that no lead is safe. We've seen some miraculous comebacks, uh, one by uh, the Clippers uh, and, of course, Atlanta. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I used to think 25 was a pretty good lead, a, a fairly strong indication of victory, but no more. No more. Well, I can't argue with that because it happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did happen. And, you know, it's just a, the power of the three. Uh, Terrence Mann, who had his 15 minutes of fame, a 39-point performance, just kicking threes from the corner. And, you know, 
defending. Gobert's been criticized, trying to protect paint rim, jumping out to the perimeter when, when teams like the, uh, like the Clippers go small, which they did the entire series, except a little bit of Zubats, you know, sprinkled in here and there. Yeah, they, they, they attacked the Jazz in multiple ways and, you know, give them credit. Uh, I like to have seen the Jazz, though, honestly, as was, I'm just looking back here for a moment. A healthy Jazz. I really would have loved to have seen what they could have done with Conley and Donovan in the backcourt, um, you know, even against the Clippers. And uh, they could have swept maybe Memphis. But, again, it was it is, you know, it is what it is. And the Jazz will have to make some decisions on what direction they want to go. Conley there, I think, is right at the top of the list. I, I believe that they'll want him to stay. The price has got to be right. Uh, and if that's the case, and I, yeah. I believe that Conley would want to stay. I would think. You know, I, TK, I kind of delved into body language a little bit. I always like to do that this time of year when they go on their exit interviews or when they were available this year. It was kind of different. You know, some talk from their kitchen like Joe did, some talk from their car uh, to the press the day after. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what the Jazz can do financially, right? And I tell you, it's kind of an unpredictable summer because we've never uh, had to watch Ryan Smith in his ownership group make, you know, financial decisions on players, which direction they want to go. And what is Mike's worth, PK? I, that's what I don't know. Um, if and I know analytically – I'm sure there's numbers everywhere in the league, and especially the Jazz, but age would be part of the analytics. Uh, the injuries that he's occurred the last couple of years would be, would be part of that as well. And then the money that would go with that and trying to predict how many games could he actually play for the Jazz um, because this isn't going away, I don't think, the hamstring problem and the age of 34. I mean, those things just happen to players – uh, and Mike's in that 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 process right now of his career. So those are all things, I guess. I'm not, you know, they hire a lot of people to to make those decisions. And sometimes you roll the dice too. I think um, Mike's a great fit and a great leader, and he compliments, you know, what Donovan's trying to do when they're healthy. They're dynamic. But again, I think the bottom line is they have to go through the process of value for games and what the market value is and obviously there's uh, they they've got guys who do a, a great job on, on deciding some of those things but also you got to roll the dice and you got to go gut and that's kind of part of the, the business that you, you look in analytics but you still have to look i think sometimes um the gut feeling that goes along with that so there's mike's part of the equation here and we can go round and round and debate this but does he want to stay in Utah? I take him at face value. I think he's genuine. He says he's you know he's liked his time here, likes his coach and his teammates and all that kind of stuff. Right. He wants to win a championship. That's also clear. So as he evaluates not just what rosters are now, but what he thinks rosters are going to be next year. And sometimes as a player, you got to roll the dice. You know, is this team going to acquire this guy? Is this guy going to leave and open playing time and shots for me? Or is this guy going to leave and weaken the team? So he's Mm -hmm. got all that. But we know who the best teams are, Suns, Lakers, Clippers. You know, does he think the Warriors can be part of a rebuild there? Uh, Who does he like in the East? Does he think Utah's his best chance to win a championship? And then when I throw out some of these teams, PK's like, he's got a young family. Is he really going to go to L.A.? You know, where game day... And if you don't have a helicopter, <laughs> it's like <laughs> game day's an all-day experience. You don't run home 
after right. shoot around to see the kids after school. You know, it's not happening. It's just a different lifestyle there. So yeah, do you have but, any feel for what Mike wants? Because if he's willing to take less money, I think we're all pretty sure there'd be some good teams who'd be interested in him. Yeah, no, see, that's it, too. I think you have to see in his mind, if we could, what he, is role, what he would be accepting of his role like Derek Favors. Once a starter, and then you come back and declare yourself, okay, I get it, uh, I know who I am, where I am in my career, and do I want to be a backup you know, guard and take less money for it? And to your point, DJ, do I pick a team that can finally give, like a lot of the guys, right? I mean, look, if, you know, uh, Blake Griffin. I mean, he, he he gets out of Detroit, says he can't jump, and the first play he's in with the Brooklyn, you know, he's up jamming, you know, jamming dunking, points down right. to the net. I mean, bottom line is, what's Mike's health? What's his mental state? Does he accept the role of coming off a bench, either either with the Jazz potentially, um, or with another team? and understands what the payroll will be for him because he's coming off what? Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the Jazz pick up two years, $64 million? Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, $32 million a year in that category. He may have had 34 this year, maybe it bumped up uh, a couple million in the final year of his contract. So, yeah, he has decisions too to make, right? So do the Jazz, and can they – can the two sides speak and be honest about what each other needs and, you know – trying to build more, I think, depth and him running a second unit or blending with the first group and the second. I mean, all those things come into play. Or is he at a point in his career where he wants to jump and try working with LeBron and the Lakers for one final push there in L.A. Um, and, and, again, find his best opportunity for a, for a title. Look, he's an all-star, but also the problem is he's he, the league knows he's been off-injured. And so those two – don't really, you know, blend well for some GMs. But the Jazz know who he is, and he knows who the Jazz are. And I think that's the one-up that, that Utah has uh, on retaining Conley. Um, but, again, it's it's going to be a tough decision. Sometimes, though, what your point is, and maybe it isn't, because young kids, young family, how easy is it just to get around in Utah? And he goes to school, if I'm not mistaken, with what uh, Joe's kids that's what Joe said. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a bond there. And, you know, you do think about young young children at 34 and what you're trying to do and accomplish. But at the same time, you know, you're at the, the end of your career beginning to, to, you know, see the sunset on it. So you, this may be his final contract. So he's, he's probably taking that into, into a consideration as well. But, you know, a heck of a guy. And when he's healthy, he still has a, a lot a lot of talent on the floor, as we saw. So I'm fascinated by the Ryan Smith situation. You know, he takes over and he runs a multi-billion dollar company. So obviously he's got the high level of intelligence and the, he takes over and the thing's a machine. It's running on its own and you're not, you know, you're not going to do a whole lot until the off seasons. That's when you make your major moves. And so here we are. Yeah. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what my question is to you, but all I know is that I'm intrigued. Me too. I mean, PK, I, I, like I said, I, I, I think, you know, we were so used to knowing, kind of predicting what the Miller family would do. They were going to always be aggressive. I think Dennis quoted multiple times in the offseason, the Millers, you know, tell me to do the best move, and if it costs a few extra bucks, do it. Now, I don't, I don't know. I'm intrigued too. I don't know what Ryan's 
you know, business uh, operation mindset is with the Jazz. I do know that he wants to win a championship. I mean, I, I think we've seen the aggressive approach in building a base of ownership uh, that includes Dwayne Wade, which I think was a shock, but also a huge move by Ryan. And then um, what is Dwayne Wade? That's the intriguing part. How involved? We saw him sitting courtside, you know, shoulder to shoulder with Ryan uh, during the playoffs and even during the regular season. And how involved is D. Wade in, in some of these decisions or consulting Ryan on some of the decisions that that need to be made to win a championship because guess who knows how to win one wade so you're right it's intriguing it's the first off season with uh, with ryan and his family and the ownership group and we'll see how aggressive in spending because he's got two high level players that he already has under uh large near multi what do you call it or max contracts and to add more to that to that salary obviously pushes him closer and over uh, the luxury tax. So it's, it will be interesting to see what direction he wants to go. So I don't know if you know Clevis Murray. I've been looking him up just in the last 10 minutes because he's put out a tweet that will be of interest to Jazz fans. And he writes as a contributor for The Athletic, from what I can find online in a quick search here. Looks like he used to work up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, for a cable outlet up there. Uh, And he's got a lot of NBA tweets. Um, And the location on his account is, uh, let's see here, he's got uh, Dorchester, Massachusetts, so basically suburban Boston. Here's his tweet, Bowler. I'm told there's a disconnect in the relationship between Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder. There's been some belief Lindsay could depart from the team. Snyder signed a long-term contract extension with the Jazz in 2019. There has been no shortage of people with ties to BYU. And Ryan Smith obviously has ties to BYU. But apparently among people who are in the athletic world in Provo, uh, that Ryan is really tight with Danny Ainge and with Brian Santiago. And one way or another, in one role or another, those two guys at some point will be involved with the Jazz. Mm. Now, to PK's point, is that this offseason? Is that next offseason? I mean, we know... When Gail Miller was up there at the press conference, you know, Ryan, you're at the point we were when we bought the team. So there's a long time for this to play out. And no one has given me specific times on it. But multiple times they said these two guys are too tight with Ryan not to be involved with the Jazz at some point. Mm-hmm. So you hear yeah. this tweet and yeah. you hear whatever you hear inside the Jazz organization. And for people who don't know, Bowler used to be at KSL and used to call BYU games and still knows people at BYU. What have you heard? What do you think? What do you know? Those may not be the same things. I get that. Yeah. Well, I think what you just said is an indicator that what Ryan wants to do, it's his team. And I think we all know, Right, and our experiences in mine at KSL and CBS and Fox and ESPN, when management changes, the guys who hired me, they come and go. Um, and that was really evident, you know, at CBS and Fox. And so we always were worried about, well, the next guy comes in, brings in, quote, as we all know, PK, their guy or his guy. Or maybe, again, they have 
in our world that is ever changing, uh, you know, a woman in an executive position, right? Ryan wants to be very diverse. Uh, I think that's very clear. So those conversations don't surprise me, DJ, at all. Um, he is close uh, to the BYU sports world, and it's his, it's his, it's his team. And, you know, I think everyone braces for change. And that is something I wouldn't be surprised happens, whether it's this year, as you said, or next. I don't think he's a guy that owns a multi-billion dollar company, makes really snap quick decisions unless he, you know, has the information in front of him. Um, so that, again, will be, be another part of this whole puzzle, This, as PK just said, the intrigue of how he operates and who he wants in certain places, and if he will make change. I think we just sit back and, and wait. But to your point, yes, you are correct in your assessment of his closeness of Santiago, who I remember very well in call games for when he played. And obviously, I don't know Danny Ainge, but you know he wants Scott to work, I don't think, full-time consulting for a team, possibly, like, a Jerry West, a Pat Riley, who knows uh, what's down the road. But um, I think probably this offseason, everyone's kind of waiting to see if change is coming at the highest of level. And if that's the case, that's going to impact decisions on players, right? Um, so I think a lot, a lot, the only thing I can see is we'll probably find out together on when this thing, if anything happens. And it may not. Uh, but again, with new ownership and getting back to PK's. You know, he didn't have a question, but he had a statement about intrigue. I'm, I, I totally agree. I can't predict what Ryan will do. I think the Millers, we kind of knew well, but, you know, they wanted to steady as she goes. And, look, Jerry Sloan was, was here forever because of that steadiness. And, you know, there were times he was fearful that he was going to lose his job. And But Larry was very – boy, what would be the word? You know, he was devoted but also understood what stability meant in his company and also in, in with the jazz and uh, you know, Jerry left on his own accord. He left his way. It was surprising, but he left, you know, left that way. Uh, and we'll see how, how it plays out with the Ryan Miller ownership. You know, this could be another 30 year run of ownership. And I know you, and again, I go back to the one thing I remember talking to him about and what he said in his press conference is again, he wants to win a title and he may be very aggressive in that nature. And he may do things, that will he thinks will help them, you know, help the Jazz get there. And so again, it's just one of those things that we'll wait and see what direction he goes. And it's going to be intriguing too. I'm anxious to see how this summer plays out. Bowler, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining us. I hear Joe's up. Joe is coming up. Joe's so up. You, Joe's, Joe's up, up in about. Uh, Joe's up in about 15 minutes. So real quick, he uh, is taking off. Is he going right to – where are they having camp, the, uh, the Australians? Are they going to Paris and then to Tokyo? Uh, he said he's going to L.A. Going to L.A. Okay, all right. Well, that's where the layover is. You're going to have a layover a little la- layover. Every time you fly camp. to Hawaii, you got to layover for an hour and a half in L.A., right? Yeah. You Take the early morning flight, then you go get a little yeah. burrito and kill time, then you get on a plane, yeah. you fly to Hawaii. gone through Phoenix, actually. You can get a workout if he wants. You know? Yeah, but I fly. I don't fly charter. Well, fly charter, you don't go through Phoenix. Fly charter, you go direct. Well, yeah, but I thought you were meeting Sarver in Phoenix, and then you guys were going, what do I know? 
You're, you, 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 Craig, do you know he has a blue check mark on his Twitter? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that until today. DJ does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a blue check mark. You know what? I tried to uh, to apply. I still haven't heard anything. Yeah, I mean, well, I may be denied, but DJ's climbed the ladder. Sure. Of, yep, yep. Yeah, and, he, and he tries to play it. Oh, well, there's no status. So, well, then the why have it? He's got a blue check mark on his Twitter account, and and I got like fifty two followers, and he's got a he's got a blue check mark. Jeez, he's even wearing blue today. Wow! Just throwing stuff against the wall. This is just random association (laughs) time with PK. When did when did this happen? Oh, he's he's been holding out for me for a long time, and Uh, I thought we I thought we had a partnership. Jeez, more than a year. I feel like Kay when she found out Michael had been back in the States for a year. I just clo- slowly closed the door on him, left him out there. Wow. See, that's the beauty of you two, man. It's, it's, it's a marriage. So, you, know, it, you, you argue, but you still get along. And sometimes my needs aren't being met. That's right. I want a blue check mark. How dare you? How dare you? Yak is both horrified and entertained at the same time. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Bowler. All right, guys. See you All soon. Right. Take care. DJ PK, Joe Ingles is coming up in about uh, 15 minutes right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz. But the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! I'll be there, man. I'm looking forward to seeing those guys at the warehouse. My guys. Gordon and Jake. That's the big show. I know Jake's been keeping it quiet, but he's got a big birthday coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Our boy's all grown up. (laughs) He does, though. Yeah. We knew a win. I was talking to him a while back. And we were just talking about life. He's got two kids now and you yeah. know, all these things. And he looked at me and it's something. I said, well, yeah, I'm not that age anymore. He said, oh, you'll always be 37 to me. <laughs> and, and, and But that's true. You look at people, uh, and especially if they don't die older, they'll always be like a certain age. Like I'll always be my kid. I'm the kid brother. Mm-hmm. I could be freaking president of the U.S. And I'm you should be the kid, yeah. brother, kid you know brother. I mean? You're the oldest, so maybe you look at it differently. Uh, but they, because my sister's just in town, right? And we were talking about it. And they, they sort of, they look, she, man, you know, you've done really well for me. So, like, I, I'm proud of you. I would never say that to her because she's always been up there. Yeah. No, I get that part. <laughs> I get that part of the relationship. Yeah. And so to Jake, we've known him for so long. Yeah, we know him in his early early twenties. Yeah, and so I can see where he, was, he would say that. I think he was out of school when he did our show, but he wasn't out of school by very much. I'd have to ask him and run that by him. But I think he was just barely out of school. No, he was a shaggy haired producer oh, yeah. whose <laughs> eyes were barely open. <laughs> it's just hanging by a thread, man. <laughs> he was such a show. And now he's approaching middle age with two kids. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it's interesting that you know I've I view him. As a peer, a very, very good friend. And I care deeply about him and his success uh, because I've known him for so long. Mm-hmm. And the relationships matter. 
And it's just funny how people view people. Um, you know, he's the same age as my nephew. But my nephew's my nephew. He's a kid. <laughs> he's not my friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, all that stuff's kind of weird, how it plays out. But when you uh, see him at the warehouse... Wish him That's happy tomorrow, birthday. tomorrow, actually. Yeah, I'm not sure when his birthday is. I don't know if it's tomorrow or the weekend. Doesn't matter. It's close yeah, enough. Yeah, it is. I'm not, Birthdays I'm, become birthday weeks. But I know it's a biggie. So, happy birthday to Jake. And doing a phenomenal job. Just completed the whole season. Uh, as uh, jazz. Doing the pre half and post. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of time. That is. You have yeah. no idea yeah. until you do it. <laughs> and you think you know, you kind of know. It turns out it's a lot that's of time. That's a great thing about him, too. I mean, you could ask him to go do anything, he's going to do it well. Yep. It doesn't matter what it is, he'll do it well. All right, we got to take a break. We're coming back with Joe Ingalls next. Stay with us.